great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight. Welcome back to the Views from the Bench podcast. We're now on episode 37. I'm here with Pat Servideo. Patrick, how are you doing? I'm great. How are you, Anthony? I'm fantastic. It's a beautiful day outside. Um, and uh, we got a special guest on this show who you actually recruited, and he's going to be a, uh, an official <coughs> friend of the show. So you want to come up? Wow. Yeah, how do you get of friend show? of the show status? Like, what, what do you have to do? You got to come on the show. That's it? <laughs> you got to come on the show, yeah. <laughs> so basically every guest we've had is a friend of the show, right? Yeah, well, you got stronger friends of the show, but like like probably our strongest friend of the show is De Silva because he's been on twice. <laughs> That's true. Big, big <laughs> supporter there. Yeah. So uh, yeah, we got a special guest. Well, you know, we also have Venosa as a friend of the show and he hasn't been on. He's just an avid listener and critic. That's, tr- that's true. Yeah. You can be a friend of the show and be a listener. But, and yeah, you could be a critic as well. We're looking for new friends every week. So (laughs) (laughs) we want to see up our guest. Yeah. Why not? So we're going to have on Matthew Mena. He's a longtime friend of mine. I played hockey with him, soccer with him. He had a good, nice, long uh, hockey career and he got drafted into OHL, played a couple years there back in junior A and now he's at Queens Commerce. Where did he play in the OHL again? Sudbury and Flint. Okay, well, we're just recording this intro right now, so uh, it's because I myself screwed up the timing because uh, I thought we were going to be recording this at 11, but really it's at 1. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so we're excited to have him on, new friend of the show. He's going to give some good insight. We're going to have uh, we're gonna go through a couple of segments like we did last week with him. And, uh, yeah, anything else, Pat? Okay, talk about uh, that new thing you're doing with NHL 20 for the fans. Right, yeah, yeah. okay. So we're going to be starting a 1v1 challenge on NHL 20, and uh, we're going to be streaming it. So we're probably going to start next week sometime. And basically, we're going to have one of our followers or listeners uh, challenge me, not Pat, because Pat doesn't have a PlayStation, unfortunately. We're going to be working on that. But but to challenge me in a game of NHL, and if you can beat me, you'll be featured on the page and on the podcast, and also you'll get the title of beating the best NHL 20 player to never go pro, deemed by myself, gave myself that title. And uh, yeah, so that's that's the challenge we're doing. Thought we'd thought we'd switch it up, you know, get uh, get something new going. Yeah, I'm sure the kids will love it. <laughs> I know it's maybe not your uh, demographic since you haven't owned a PlayStation since the or a video game since the nineties. <laughs> last I, last thing I owned was a I had a PS I had a PlayStation Two and a Wii. And a Wii, I hate the Wii, man. <laughs> yeah, it was it was crazy. <laughs> so we're gonna work on it. We're gonna work on trying to incorporate Pat through it, but uh, we're thinking of also maybe doing something where I don't know. He hops on a call. We'll we'll figure it out. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess we'll just hop right into the interview then. Right. Have we got yeah. anything else? All right. Oh, so, let's, let's uh, do it. all right. Perfect. So without further ado, welcome Matt Mena. Yes. 
We uh, we teed up an intro. You're officially a friend of the show. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> the Silva's like a big friend of the show because he's always coming on. So we had to oh, he always come, how many how many episodes has he done now? Two. He wants a third one. Nah, he wants it, eh? <laughs> Out of he loves it. He's he loves never it. done one in person. We haven't done one in person with him yet. Nice. Get his girlfriend on there too. Yeah, he might not say stuff then. He might get shot. Spends enough time with her, right? Eh? <laughs> yeah, for real. On the hammock, too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> no, I love the guy, but I always see the Insta posts and the stories. So I'm, I like, I don't know. Did you, how long did you and Pat play together for? Only uh, one year on the same team. Yeah, one year on the same team. But then <clears throat> obviously, like, a lot of skates together and stuff with, with Lance. Um, and then we played against each other too for one or two years following that. Uh, two years while you were in Barry. Okay, yeah, yeah. And then I guess midget too, but we didn't really because I was in the G. We didn't really. Play yeah. Him. And then we also played soccer together. For like yeah, yeah, we played soccer together forever. That was a lot of fun. I know. If you look at the team, it's actually pretty crazy where everybody has ended up. Yeah, I saw a photo the other day. I don't know, and it was like everyone was crazy. Yeah. like. We had in all different sports too, like mainly not soccer, which is funny. I think Jared was the only guy who did soccer, but we had guys. Alistair's, like, Alistair's in the MLS now. Oh, and and sorry, and Alistair too. But we had guys NHL drafted. Remember when Andrew Nemhard played played for us as well? Yeah, dude. Started the NBA. Yo, he went to my elementary school. He was like the most disgusting basketball player. Yeah. He's also <laughs> a gross soccer player too. Really? He's two years younger than us on our team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was nuts. That's like that's like the dream team for soccer right there. Everyone last dance documentary. Yeah. Literally. And then oh Mario Ferraro, guy plays for San Jose now. Yeah, yeah. Crazy Cliff drafted. Um Cameron Morrison drafted. Yeah. As well. It was actually ridiculous because he came out of that soccer team in different sports. What level of soccer did you guys play? It was the highest level at the time. I forget what it was called. Yeah. Pretty good team though. So when we stopped, it was called like CSL, I think, level three premiere. And then basically like the year that a lot of us stopped because we wanted to go and play hockey full time because it was like getting too crazy to play, to play both. We were like, a lot of us were trying to get drafted or just like take a little bit farther. And then um, the next one was like OISL, which is like where all the top guys play. It's pretty competitive, I think. I think that's like we all knew that except for a couple of us, we all knew we liked hockey more. Yeah, everyone pretty much knew. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. And, like, I think that was the fun part about it because, like, hockey games I'd always get nervous for or whatever. Soccer games, nothing. Like, <laughs> I'd show up to a soccer game, like, you know, like, no headphones in, like, just, sh- you know, shooting the shit with, like, boys before, kind of half-ass the warm-up and then go play a game, which is, like, it's nice relaxing, whereas, like, hockey game, I'm thinking about it, like, three days in advance. It's probably why we're also so good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Probably because we weren't worried about it all the time like we were for hockey. So did you quit before you, before you went to the OHL, right? Yeah. So I think, I don't know if you remember, Pat, but I want to say like we were in grade eight or seven when we quit. We all quit at the same time. Yeah. I think it was grade seven or eight. It was before high school. Um, it just like you, you kind of have to like we, – we started to like train for – actual hockey in the summer at that point uh like summer hockey started to get big um which is i think i don't i'd be curious to see what summer hockey is like now for kids um because when we were when we were playing it like exploded um that was like kind of the thing to do 
And then, so yeah, there, there wasn't really enough time to do it, but it, it really did keep you in shape. Like I For know sure. when during like the first month of the like triple A season, the hockey or the guys who played soccer were like miles training camp or whatever. Um, then the kids who kind of just like sat around all summer and didn't really do anything. Um, cause we were all in like wicked shape. We weren't huffing and puffing the first day. So yeah, we we're like running five times a week. Right? Exactly. Yeah. It was crazy. It was crazy. It was, it was really good. And like, Honestly, I think that nowadays that they don't push that enough. Like, I think that whatever sport you're in, like, let's say you're trying to be, you know, competitive in hockey. Like, I feel like there's no freedom to play other sports during the off season, which I think is actually good, especially at a young age, because there's aspects of the game, like reading the play, um, even little things like teamwork, like staying in good shape that can definitely be useful, um, in, in other sports, like whether it's soccer to hockey, hockey to soccer, you know, even like soccer to basketball, let's say. So, yeah, that's well, Anthony and I, and we had a whole episode on that actually. And we were saying that at a young age, the guys should be able and girls should be able to play other sports. They shouldn't just focus on one. Yeah. They totally, explore different options. Yeah. I totally agree. So heading into the OHL then, were you doing that each summer? Like were you, or were you taking a break and uh, playing other sports? Yeah. So um, I kind of, Dive into that a bit. So I went to um, I went to Bill Crathers. So that's like the sports school in Markham. Mm-hmm. Um, so I decided to do that. It was a pain in the ass to get to. It took me like an hour each day on the bus. I kind of envied guys like Pat and I'm sure yourself too. Where did you go to high? Did you go to? Um, I went to SMK as well. Yeah, well, Max. Yeah, so it's probably close for you, right? So mm-hmm. I was grinding on the hour hour each way. Sometimes I bring my hockey oh. gear on the school bus because I had to <laughs> I had to go to Mar- like drive the bus or um, like the bus would pick me up from Aurora drive me to Markham. I'd put my, you know, gear in like a class, empty classroom. My dad would pick me up from school and drive me to Barry. So it was like absolutely ridiculous. Oh. Um, I can't believe I did that, but yeah, basically like going into high school, um, I never really did workouts that were like specific to, um, to, to hockey. I would just like keep myself in shape with soccer and like the running and cardio, but I definitely like needed the strength aspect. So we had a strength coach at the school that you could kind of just use for free, which is great. Like, um, it definitely made up for some of the time I spent traveling there. So I started working with him. Um, it was really cool. You could do it like during lunch after school. Um, as I like got older, like into grade 11 and grade 12, even though I wasn't there the whole time, but grade 11, there was even like classes you could get credits for and they're basically just working out. Um, and that's actually when I noticed like a big step up in my performance. Like I would say I was always, you know, like competitive, um, within like the triple a scene for for goalies but i think that it really took my game to like the next level when i did start training and i don't know if that's a coincidence if that's just because i got older and more mature and like started reading the game better Mm -hmm. Um, but definitely like when i made the switch to barry um in grade nine and then in grade 10 that's definitely when when i took off and you know lucky luckily enough i was able to get drafted um and then once i got drafted i started training at like a hockey specific gym Nice. So if you just want to like talk about like your OHL, like the time in the OHL, how did you find it? How was the transition of hockey and the way you were? Yeah. So, um, so I got drafted seventh round. So kind of like middle of the pack for a player, especially, but maybe for a goalie, it was like, you know, on the upper, like one third of, of the guys drafted. So goalies I knew always that, go later, right? Yeah, exactly. Goalies go later. So I think I was like, maybe like 15th drafted out of like, 30 let's say mm-hmm. or maybe even 45 something like that um 
So I was, I, I knew that I, everybody's got a chance from around one to 15 to not draft it, but I knew that there was definitely a chance that, you know, I could get signed at a training camp. Um, so yeah, I was like, I was excited to go to Sudbury, especially when you're like, when you're a kid who's, who's like middle of the pack, you don't really care like where you get drafted. You just like want to get drafted. Um, and that's kind of like the first step. You can always go to college and like use that as leverage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I really wanted to make the team, um, went to training camp, played awesome. Um, I remember on the way home, like kind of like expecting like, okay, I'm going home. Like this doesn't make too much sense. Like had a really, really good training camp. They didn't sign me, uh, right off the bat, but then I got the call maybe like a month later. Um, and then they signed me to a contract, um, then because one of the goalies went down. So then you need like a third guy. Um, and then with hopes that I'd make the team kind of the following year. Um, what I did though is, um, I played midget. So I played midget in the GTHL. Um, I got a lot of ice time, which was good, but looking back on it, I think I wish I would have played junior, even if I was like a second backup guy who only played like 10 to 15 games, I think that would have been a better move. And it would have made the transition to the OHL easier because um, it, it's obviously like a huge jump, right? And the little things from like, just like goalie is like a very weird position. Like you got to get used to little things. Like, you know how people say goalies are superstitious? Like, mm-hmm. I think it's true. Like your pregame routine is so much different. Like you show up to the rink at two hours, two hours before you got to travel, your sleep's all screwed up a lot of times. Um, whereas like GTHL, midget hockey games, like they're on when like, 10 o'clock at night to like eight o'clock at night um, on like Fridays and Saturdays. So it's pretty easy, right? You show up an hour before, do a little warm up, and you're, you're on the ice. So little things like that, obviously like the speed of play is different. Um, but it would, yeah, it was, it was kind of a hard jump. Um, I think that if I had to go back and do it again, I would definitely try to hook up with a, with a junior team. It was probably the, the, the biggest thing that um, you found challenging throughout uh, your years there. Been in the O. Like, I think that for me, I was okay with like moving away from home. Um, my billets were always like awesome. Um, very like family oriented people, especially in the Ontario league. They're, they're not in it for money. Like I think they lose money um, when you consider how much food you eat and mm-hmm. just like, you know, showering and washing your clothes, like stuff like that. Um, I think they actually lose money. So I think the toughest thing for me was, was definitely like, the backup role. Like when you go in there as a backup, there was, I think there was a time in Sudbury where I didn't play like 15 games or something like that. So that's like a month or more of not seeing a puck. Um, and then it's not like, okay, we're going to give you a start like on Friday. So get ready. So then you can kind of like mentally prepare, start doing more game, like drills, like have the boys out after practice to get some like real life, real scenarios in it. It never really was like that on the teams that, that I were on. Um, so it was more like, okay, we're getting hammered this night. Like, go in. And it's already, like, 4 nothing, mm-hmm. And you're going in in, like, the second period. And then it's like, well, this is my chance to prove myself that I can actually play. And it's not yeah, an ideal situation. scenario, right? Yeah, yeah. You're obviously nervous, right? Because you're like, I haven't touched a puck, like, a game puck in, in a month. Like, what am I really supposed to do with this? Um, I think that was the toughest, toughest part of it. But, yeah, and, like, I think – you know, I don't want to say like that's an excuse because when I hopped into training camp um, for for Flint, um, I started the season there. And like because I had all those exhibition games in, like I started the season super hot. I was able to get into a rhythm, get into a flow. Um, so, you know, it was a lot better. And like I didn't really change too, too much in terms of like the way I trained, 
I had a really good goalie coach that helped too, but um, I think it was just like getting those reps in um, and, and like actually playing games was mm-hmm. the biggest difference. Well, definitely the reps really help, especially when you're getting the shots in, like you, you have your timings all better now, right? Yeah, exactly. Your timing's better. And like, I don't know if you guys have, have really kept up with like the junior stuff and like the OHL stuff, but they let uh, like import goalies back in recently. Um, so when I, when I was playing, there was a, there was a ban. So you couldn't draft a goalie in the import draft. So it was pretty much all, um, Canadian and American goalies in, um, in the OHL or any junior league really. But then they allowed that back in, um, because I think there just wasn't like the quality of goaltenders. But I think the thing you got to remember is like, these guys are playing pro in, um, in Europe. They're playing like what would be an equivalent of, of like junior hockey, even though it's not, it's probably like the same caliber. Like the guys are older, um, <laughs> but stronger like the same. Yeah, exactly. It's probably like the same quality or even a little bit better than like junior A hockey, like tier two in, in Canada. So these guys are getting reps in. They've maybe like started two seasons of this, like whatever hockey played like 120 games. They're like already NHL drafted. So then they come into OHL for like their last two years and like they're, they're game ready. Like they know what, they know what's going on. Whereas you have like a 16 year old or a 17 year old goalie who played like 10 tier two games, maybe, um, or is just like fresh off of minor midget hockey. And it's like a huge transition. Yeah. right? Yeah. And then a lot of times they're like, I don't think the coaches are like patient enough and like management is patient enough where they're like, if you're not game ready, then you basically like can't play. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, like they give you like a handful of opportunities. And if you don't showcase, they're like, okay, on to the next guy. Let's just pick up a guy who's 18 or 19 years old from tier two, or pick up a guy who's 18 or 19 years old or 20 years old from, from Europe. And let's just use him. Oh, it's a great point. I mean, did, did you want to transition with that, Anthony? Cause I think it's a great, yeah, point. no, I was going to say like, that's, that's a hockey Canada issue, right? Like letting all those goalies in and then also not having the patience as well. Yeah. Like it's a, it's a, it's a difficult thing because you want to balance the quality of hockey with like, like I said, like developing Canadian um, and American goaltenders. So it's like, a, it's a debate that's, that's tough. And it's not a, it's not a friendly league whatsoever for goalies. Like if you watch the scores, like there's so many ten, yeah. like <laughs> eight, nine goal games, 10 goal games. Sometimes you'll watch a, watch a game and it'll be like 14, eight. And you're like, how is this the best that's junior cool. hockey league in, in probably the world and the score is 14, eight, like it just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's because D man and goalies are, are young. Um, so it's not friendly. Like that's why you see a lot of guys going, like going to the NHL from college now more than junior hockey leagues in Canada. Um, they can play junior till they're 20 and then go to school when they're 21 and then have another four years. So they're coming out at like 24, 25. Um, and it makes a huge difference. Right. So Absolutely. Defenders and goalies need more time to develop most of the time mm-hmm. and mature. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So Yeah, and, and that kind of relates to uh what we posted the other day too, because we were doing we're gonna be doing these segments now, like kind of a hot take each week. Right. Mm-hmm. So Pat sent sent me this take saying that um like USA hockey will eventually overtake Canadian hockey as far mm-hmm. as de- development goes. And uh we wanna know your your opinion on that. Yeah, so well, obviously, like, there's, I think there's, like, a couple sides to it. Um, one is, like, pretty o- obvious, but I think it needs to be mentioned. Like, they have a lot bigger population than than we do. Um, and with that, in the past, 
um, only pretty much like the the northern northern states, Michigan um, would would be like dominant in hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, but now you're starting to see kids from all over the United States get into hockey and play hockey. Um, like I think it's like is it Arizona State has a hockey team now? Yeah. Um, and that was kind of like recent to to like our generation of kids growing up playing hockey. Um, USA Hockey's like made a lot of developments. They have like the US NDP team. Um, so now we're starting to get into like the programming side of things. So I think their programming is catching up to us. There's more kids who want to play hockey. That's like nothing we can do. You know, our, our population in Canada is a lot smaller. Um, so if there, if you get more, an increasing number amount of kids who are playing hockey, the probability of those kids um, going to be successful is a lot higher. The US NDP is like a great program. Um, they're taking the best kids from um, from you know around the country and setting them up um, on a team. And then a lot of those mm-hmm. kids will either play pretty much all of those kids will either be OHL drafted or drafted to, to another uh, junior junior hockey league in, in Canada, um, or they'll go play at top, top schools um, as freshmen in the States. So like that's a recipe for, for success when you have kids um, in Canada playing in, you know, minor hockey teams where obviously the, the resources they have aren't going to be as good playing for like the junior Canadians um, even if you're an awesome player, the resources just aren't going to be as good. Right. So you're not gonna be able to train as much. Uh, you're not going to be on the ice, uh, whether that be like on ice training or off ice training. Um, it's just not going to be as good. Right. So I think that the, it, it's just, yeah, like they, I think they're doing, doing things right over there with the, with the USNDP program. You know what? It's, a, it's actually crazy how spot on you had with the top comment on our post. Cause he literally mentioned, Everything that you said too, right down to the US NDP there. His name's Bolsey59, and he said, um, I think it's a strong possibility due to the population, the difference between the two countries uh, is starting to get a lot closer. He goes, The USA has such a bigger pool to choose from. When you look at the US NTDB's recent success in the NHL draft, you're definitely on the right path. Another thing to consider is the children of NHL players will most likely grow up in the USA because that's where most of the NHL teams are. So good European and Canadian players would have American kids. And we've seen that happen in the past. That's his take on it. That was a comment. The, the thing where your relative plays hockey and then you play hockey, I'd like to see more statistics on that, but obviously it's like, I can name a bunch of kids who, who their parents or their uncle or whatever played pro Mm -hmm. hockey. Um, And is that like, I think the question there is, is it a genetic thing or is it because they know how to navigate like the hockey system in Canada, which I think needs to be more streamlined. It's kind of confusing for kids. Um, Obviously like, especially with like GTHL hockey, like it could even boil down to like a poor kid's family or not, not necessarily like poor in terms of income, but um, the fact that it's unfortunate that a kid who, who lives in Toronto, but maybe doesn't have the money to pay GTHL like player fees. Right. Whereas a kid of a NHLer is going to have obviously the money to pay for off ice training, um, you know, play whatever hockey team they want. Uh, in the States, there's a lot of travel that goes into it as well. So is it a question of like they have more resources or is there like some genetic component that they're going to be good athletes? I, I really don't know. Um, and I think that's, that's a good question up for debate as well. It's probably a combination of both at the end of the day. Right. So, I mean, I like both of Mena's comments and Bolsey59, what he commented. I mean, the U.S. development program is 
like amazing what they've been doing. It's basically a, like the whole team has been traveling with each other for two years. So they, they also grow that connection and bond. Mm-hmm. Whereas like where you talk about like the U17 and the U18 Gold Cup, they kind of just assemble that team and put a team together within two months. Exactly. So they don't have that training together, which is a difference as well. Exactly. For sure. Um, I think, I don't know if this is a bit of a hot take as well, but I want to say that when you look at scouting, like, yes, I think the NHL scouts, uh, junior scouts do a really good job of um, picking like a good range of kids, whether you're living in like Northern Ontario and you're a good hockey player or you're living in the GTHL, but there also is going to be like some bias of scout scouting in like the GTHL, for example, right? There's like Mm -hmm. a, you can like if you're if you're a scout from let's say Sudbury, you can hop up to to Toronto um, for a weekend and catch like twenty GTHL games, right? Whereas if you're scouting like OMHA hockey, you might have to drive up to Barrie, and then that's pretty much it, right? So there's definitely an incentive for for kids to uh, or sorry for scouts to to scout kids that are like more populated, and then the USNDP program provides like an amazing opportunity for for kids. Like they're definitely multiple scouts at every single game um that they're playing right so it's because they play in the ushl still right i think that's the way it works yeah Uh, i think so yeah so the scouting opportunities are going to be unbelievable um for for them right like they're they're going to have targets on their back whether they're better than a kid who plays in the ohl or sorry the omha like maybe not but you don't want to take the risk of a kid that you've seen three times or a kid that you've seen a hundred times right so i think that also that like the selection process is, is, um, is also like, it, it definitely plays into it um, for sure. And it, it's tough. Like, like, what do you do if you're, if you're like a GM of a, of an Ontario hockey league team, or if you're the GM of a national hockey league team, you could say, if your scout gives you the scouting report and you're like, okay, this kid has like first line potential, but we've seen him like four times or pick the kid who has for sure a second to third line potential. Um, but we've seen them a hundred times. You might go with the kid you've seen a hundred times, right? Cause you're not willing to take that risk. Mm-hmm. So I think that definitely plays into it as well. And like, like I said, when you have the concentration of the USNDP, the, the scouting opportunities are definitely there. Yeah. Exactly. I, I, I think it's like almost just about time too that USA catches up. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, I, I don't think like, I mean, for, for kids in like, like the OHL is an awesome experience. And like, regardless of um, the, like if you go pro or not, it's still a great experience. And like, I definitely want to see kids from Canada have the opportunity to play major junior hockey, whether they're going to play in the OHL or sorry, whether they're going to play in the NHL or some other pro league or whether they're going to go and, you know, go to university and use their education packages. Like, I think that we need to somewhat protect that just because it's an awesome program and it's, it's like a lot of fun and you want to see kids get that opportunity um, in Canada in terms of the NHL. Like, like, yes, I think it's important to be competitive, but at the end of the day, like you guys always talk about, like it's a business and wherever the best kids come from, like they're going to be chosen. So Mm -hmm. I I just, it would be really sad to see not that, not as many Canadian players be playing in like major junior hockey leagues in, in, uh, in Canada. That's kind of where I have the issue with it. If more kids from the United States go and play in the NHL, like, so be it. Um, it's so hard to make it anyways. It's like, if you're really good from Canada, you're going to make it, you know, for you to secure like spots in the American hockey league, East coast, more American kids because of their exposure. But yeah, I don't know. That's kind of my two cents on it. 
I'm seeing more like European players come and play in the OHL, right? Yeah, you are. Um, they still have like the import draft. So they, they are like somewhat protected. It's kind of always been a, a thing with them um, coming in. Like we, <laughs> this is kind of a funny story, but we had a kid who was from Russia. I wasn't on the team at this point. This is when I was signed at Sudbury and they, um, they didn't have, um, you know, like I was, I was kind of up and down, like whenever they needed a, a guy to back up or whatever. Um, but there was like this, this, I think he was from Russia. There's this kid he played, he said he was like a 96 or something like that. And then at training camp the next year, the guy was gone, but it came out that he was actually like a 94 or something like <laughs> his passport. Like, oh, so God. obviously there's not like a big influ- influx of kids like that coming in, but I think there is some shady stuff going on. Um, guys faking their ages, but obviously that's not a big, like a big portion of the kids coming over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think that there, <laughs> there is a small amount of kids who are doing are doing stuff like that. And it happens in other leagues too, right? Like basketball, it happens all the time too. So for sure. Yeah, I have a funny story there. Hey, Pat, you want to do that segment now then the coaching one? Yeah, let's do it. Do you want me to say it? Or you want me to explain it? You want me to tee it up? Or like, are we doing the one that you sent me? Yeah. Yeah. Tee it up. Okay. So I don't know if you heard this segment yet, Mena, through this coaching segment where it's like a hypothetical scenario and you just give you your view about what you would do if you were the coach in this situation. Okay. So this is like, if you were the coach, what is the number one thing you're telling your goalie and pushing him to excel in when he's a starter? Do you want to take that one first, Anthony? Or? No, no, you go ahead. I'm not, I'm not a goalie. <laughs> All right. Um, so if I'm the coach... So first off, I think I'm just giving him the opportunity. Um, like if he's my main guy, if he's my starter, I'm just giving him the opportunity to play. Um, obviously, like being a goalie, I'd be in a different, bit different of a situation. Like, you know, I know more about like the technical aspects and stuff like that. But for this scenario, like let's say that I'm just like a coach who doesn't really know anything um, about goaltending, I'd probably let him play. Um, I think the most, one of the most frustrating things is when you have a coach and your goalie coach is telling you one thing and then like your head coach is telling you another, um, whether it be like, you know, playing the puck or like, you know, a variety of different things. Um, but I think basically just like letting, letting the goalie kind of do what he needs to do and then giving him the, him the opportunities to play, um, making sure that the boys around him or the girls um, be be very good at um you know supporting smarting him and him or her um picking picking them up when they're down uh, it's a very mental game right and then the other thing is just giving them enough reps in practice making sure that we're not just doing flow drills and power play and we're actually doing game-like scenarios that are going to help them um and giving them time with the goalie coach stuff like that i don't think it's really too complicated i think that you know a lot of the best teams i've been on um when i'm playing well or my, my goalie partner's playing well um, the coach isn't really saying too, too much and kind of just letting us do our thing. I think the main thing I would push is to, and this might be a little bit weird, but I would push to just inc- like encourage them to make, make mistakes, but learn from them. Right. Like you said, uh, Matt, just kind of giving them the opportunity to play and um, allowing them to not necessarily, you, you'd prefer them not to make those mistakes in a game or when it matters, but mm-hmm. also if they do like, don't hold it against them just be encouraging, make sure that they understand that it's okay. Not like not to be perfect or to play at the highest level at all times. You're going to have your ups and you're going to have your downs and you got to focus on kind of staying balanced and, and, uh, and learning from whatever state mistakes that you make. Yeah. 
for sure. I think it's a confidence thing. Rotating your your goalies at a good pace is definitely important. Um, if we're talking about junior hockey, you run with your main your main part, like your main goalie, but then your backup also giving them the right amount of reps to you know fill that position. Um, eventually, like junior hockey might have an older older guy and then a younger guy who's going to come up in a couple of years, making sure you make that transition smooth. Um, a lot of times coaches get into the mistake of we got to win every single game. So to give us our best chance of doing that, we're going to play the older guy every single game, play the younger guy for three games. He's sitting cold, basically missed a season of hockey. And then he's trying to gonna be, he's going to be our starter next year. Like that's kind of unrealistic. Um, so I think that, you know, getting guys that are, you know, if we're talking about college hockey, maybe getting a getting a senior and then like a sophomore um, or a freshman, uh, just so they can kind of work their way in slowly. Yeah, that's that's a great point. And I was just gonna say, you just want to give the guys confidence. Like I know, I would go in and see my goalies. I just want to give them the most confidence they could get. Get them a lot of a lot of reps in practice with the same shots, both the starter and the backup. You just want them to feel good about themselves and. And you, you want to get the backup as many games as you can get, right? You don't want them to be cold, like you were saying. Yeah, I think we hit pretty much every every uh, topic there. It's a well-rounded answer. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we can transition now to the one v one. And I didn't know Matt that you were a Sabres fan. Yeah, I think I've transitioned though. I think I've transitioned into a into a Leafs fan. But when I was younger, um, as you know, it's pretty much impossible to get Leaf tickets unless yep. you're a millionaire. <laughs> um, or know someone so it's it's really hard to go to games um but then you can easily drive across the border um and catch a sabers game for for a reasonable price and have good tickets and yeah. the atmosphere is really cool there nothing against the atmosphere in toronto like people in in the city definitely get get hyped up for games and it's it's really fun um if you know if the leafs are in the playoffs or whatever it's a, it's a lot of fun but it's a lot of just like in the saber in in like the buffalo arena it's a lot of working class people who just like hockey have a couple beers um and they're there just to have like a really good time the atmosphere is really good and obviously like the ticket prices play into it but now that i'm more like like working in toronto a bit more connected to the city i kind of switched into a toronto maple leafs fan and they're better so that yeah that that helps yeah (laughs) yeah because we we yeah we do a 1v1 segment where like Essentially, the scenario is if you had, usually we do players. Essentially, the scenario is like if you had, if it was a minute to go in the game, you need one yeah. one scorer, right? Who would you pick? One v one, and uh, but we'll do goalies now for this episode. Okay, and uh, like out of the blue, we picked uh, Hasek or Wa. Hasek or Wa. Um. Hmm. I I honestly. I don't know. That's tough. Like goaltending has changed a lot um, throughout the years. Like I would say Wah is more of the technical guy. Mm-hmm. Obviously Dominic Hasek was a great goalie, um, but a little bit unconventional. Like, I don't know if with the, the way, like, like how systematic the game's played now, if he would have as much success, like I'm trying to think of a goalie, in the National Hockey League right now that plays like that. Like, obviously, there's elements of the game where you need to be, like, sporadic and you need to be 
um, kind of like react to the situation and throw technique out the window. But a lot of the guys, you know, carry prices like a prime example of people who are basically just like robots in the net. They don't make mm-hmm. too many mistakes. They play the angles. Um, they give themselves the best uh, chance of making the save every time they can. However, if it's the last one of the game, I would maybe go with Dominic Hasek just because you just got I that, think that factor. I think that the, I think that the way he reads the game is just superior. I think that although he didn't have maybe the technique of some of the other guys and some of the guys that now, like where it's very, you know, down to a science and everybody's kind of playing the same way. I think that with a minute left, a lot of guys can maybe get nervous or, or like, you know, they pulled the extra attacker out. So it's like pulled the goal. You got six guys on the ice. It's kind of like a power play, but then there's too many guys on, you know, like for it to actually be a power play. So the puck's kind of bouncing around the other team's just throwing shots on that. Um, so in that kind of scenario, I'd probably have more of a, I don't want to say scrambly guy, but more of a guy who could like react to the situation. So I'd probably mm-hmm. go with Dominic Pasek. Yeah. I'm going to go with dominator as well. I mean, it's going to, like you said, it's still dying minute. It's going to get guys pulling the goalie extra attacker. It's going to get crazy. And he's the guy you want to have. Like he's, he's going to make some unorthodox save for yeah. you and you, you got to have him out there. I, I'm going to go with Tasik as well. Oh, across the board. <laughs> yeah. It's a sweep. Wow. It's a sweep, but it's, I've, I've like, I've never really liked Patrick Wall. I don't know why. Like he just, he's kinda, he, yeah, he, <laughs> he just kind of rubs me the wrong way. I don't know. But um, I was also watching, like you know, these uh, like these throwback games. Yeah, yeah, that are on, on Sportsnet. Yeah, so I was watching one, and uh, there's uh, I can't remember what year, but it was Penguins versus Blackhawks, and uh, I like I was watching the game, and then I heard Hasek's name. I was like, "What the? Hasek was on the Blackhawks? I didn't know he got drafted by the Blackhawks. Oh, and he got he got traded the year after. I think they went to the cup final and it was because Keenan didn't like him. <laughs> One for Leaf fans would be the, uh, the Boston trade Tuca. Yeah. For, uh, <laughs> who was, was it Justin Pogge? Because they thought Pogge was going to be the man. Oh, yeah. we got Raycroft. Yeah. Raycroft. Oh, did we get Raycroft back? But then I think part of that too, was that like Tuca we thought was Pogge. Young. Yeah. We thought Pogge was the guy. And Pogge, Pogge was young too. So they're like, Oh, um, Pogge's going to be the guy going up. They were saying Pogi was going to be like Price. I remember. I know. It was. Oh my god, it was crazy. That's that's the thing. That's how they scout goalies. I feel like guy has like one unbelievable season, one unbelievable tournament, one like Pogi played unbelievable in the World Juniors that year, right? They won. I remember, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then they were probably like, "This guy is. He's he's going to be our guy." Without like actually, you know, okay, maybe we should have. Tuka and Pogi, see how they play pro for a little bit. So he's better in the American Hockey League. So he's better in the East Coast and then go from there. But they're just like, nah, he's our guy. Yeah. And then we were in that goaltending drought where we had um, Raycroft and Toscala. Yeah. And then who else do we have? Um, uh, Bernier, right? Who wasn't oh, very good for a while when he was a starter in Boston. So yeah, like we, we made a big mistake there. But it's hard. Like I, I don't blame management like totally. Like it's hard to see goalies who's going to be good but they just need to give them a bit more time and be a bit more patient i think i blame them for toskla i've always hated toskla he's scum yeah he's never he never changed his mask you know how much that bothered me really i didn't i didn't know he was that. always rocking his san jose sharks ha- mask thing really yeah bro. 
Why would he never get a new paint job? I don't know, man. He's probably just so superstitious. That's so locked, though. That's that's weird. I would have dropped every, I would have dropped every superstition as soon as I let in that two hundred foot goal. I would have just been like, kept changing everything. Yeah, and leave the league. Actually, yeah. leave the league. You're you're right though. Like it's hard to gauge a goalie because when we got Raycroft, he won Rookie of the Year the previous year. Like he was like a he was a highly touted goalie, young goalie. Yeah, like Steve. Remember Steve Mason? Yeah, yeah. He, he won Rookie of the Year. I'm pretty sure. Um, or not yeah. Rookie of the Year. Maybe was it Rookie of the Year? Or Vesna. Ooh, I don't Let's know. Search, he had an unbelievable season. Or it, he was just in the running, nominated something like that, but. I could be totally off, but I remember he had an unbelievable season for uh, Columbus, I think. Yeah. And then kind of just after that, never really did anything. And I remember them talking about like the curse of a goalie having an unbelievable rookie season or like unbelievable first season and then kind of dropping off. So it, goal, goalies are weird. I, I don't I don't even know how to <laughs> pick them. I think that's why they look for size a lot of times, just because they're not sure exactly what's going to happen. Pat, you got anything else? What was that? I'm like Ryan Rashog over here. <laughs> I just asked you if you had anything else. I'm all out, man. Uh, well, thanks anyway for doing this, man. We appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, thanks, Sorry buddy. So we just want to thank Matt for coming on again. Uh, he provided great insight, especially on uh, his OHL career and kind of the developmental side of things with both uh, hockey canada and usa hockey no need to thank me anthony i'm i'm useless out here but <laughs> i do want to say thanks thanks for uh mana for coming on like it was a good it was a good interview and i think you provide great insight and he was a great uh, resource for the other segments that we had going on through the 1v1 and the coaching segments and our hot take of the week yeah he even provided insight with the 1v1 which was awesome too as far as like reading goaltenders and um, like just trying to be able to judge talent there. Exactly. Exactly. So you want to tell people where they can find us, Pat? Yeah. I just want to say something like <laughs> Anthony's the wizard of Oz of TikTok. I say this every time, but he did it again. He blew, you blew up. You blew up, man. What are you doing? Bro. It's not really, it didn't really blow up. Uh, blow up. Oh, well, maybe I just think that cause uh, I don't know. only six thousand views it's a lot of views yeah it's decent to me decent but you see these tiktoks like they got like a a million you know what anthony you don't have tits (laughs) that's i guess that's true that's that's a problem here but you know what i think they're messing with us they're not they're not they don't want us to blow up they're not putting us on the page it's tiktok's fault buddy you think there's a conspiracy against us a hundred percent man we got we got going. banned for a week or something, and then they just did this shit. We should get going with the next post, hashtag TikTok conspiracy. Yeah, I think we should. TikTok conspiracy, <laughs> they don't want us to blow up. They don't want people to see our shit because you, I don't know what you're doing with the post, but they're absolutely fire. They're good, man. Thanks, man. I gotta, if I gotta you want to see it, you should go see it at Views from the Bench. Yeah. On TikTok and Instagram. And Instagram ad views from the bench. We're putting out segments, posting every day. It's, it's ridiculous if you're not following at this point. Pat's throwing up clips. He's throwing up story posts. We're almost running out of time here because Zoom uh, is trying to get us to pay money. But 
you know, this, we ain't going to do that. We're, <laughs> we're not going to do rent. that. Yeah. Already paying for studio space that we can't even use. So, uh, we're going to wrap it up here. Sounds good. Sounds great. All right. So we want to thank all you guys for listening and, uh, we'll see you on the other side.